0: what's going on everybody welcome to unapologetically black male where we talk about surviving the stigma standards and systems once again my name is Dwayne pate i'm one of the hosts here shout out to my co-host brother ej Stewart, and shout out to our beautiful and wonderful sponsor j pope and associates for helping to push this uh this this topic of discussion along because we know as african-american men we have overcome many things and we have defined success in our own particular way and I and we just want to take the time because to to continue to celebrate every African American man that's maybe watching this and uh, and especially the one that we the two that we have on here today. Now, this is a first first time exclusive. I wish I had the DJ exclusive. Bur, 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 bur. I wish I had that. <laughs> I need one of those <laughs> next time we do this. But we got an exclusive father and son interview today, and I'm excited about what is going to take place. I'm going to turn it over to them um, and they can introduce themselves um, and tell us a little bit about them and what the, what they do and, wh- and where they are right now.
1: Okay, since I have seniority, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I knew that was
2: coming. I knew that was coming.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I am Wendell Shannon, publisher, owner, CEO of GoDaddy Productions. Um, I publish Children's Lit I uh, also do adult lit. And uh, I'm just recently qualified as becoming or or having the label as being a producer and a director uh, of a documentary film. Um, It's unreleased, but that's the truth of where I am right now. But um, I'm a writer and I've seen the world in various colors, shapes and sizes, man. And from a black man's perspective, many stories need to be told. So that's what I do. That's where I am. I work full time during the day, and by night, man, I I just write. Mm. So that's who I am and what I do. I pass the mic to my son. <laughs>
3: <laughs> man, truth, truthfully, in this situation, the apple does not fall too far from the tree. Um, like he said, work by day but we would think we're living double lives, but also by day, full-time artist, entrepreneur, muralist, co-author, sculptor, fine artist, paint, traveling um, traveling nationally and internationally, uh, present my work in a variety of art shows, using life experiences of a black male applying it to abstract form just
0: to be able to tell our story, tell our truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I thank thank you all for that, for that wonderful introduction. So let's kind of get into, you know, and this question can be asked about either one of you. Um, what are some of the things that you faced over your life and the, over your experiences that have made it kind of put you in a box that you felt like you had to overcome in your particular genre and your particular field?
1: I'm to go first,
0: yes,
1: sir. Um, what's very interesting in this type of scenario where we are as black men, I want to guide it the answer to that question to my father, mm-hmm. and hoping that my son guides his response to his father. Now, we are trying to break those generational vices and shortcomings that we experienced, I know looking through my life in my mind's eye looking back, there were so many things that my father was trapped into that had it not been so, he could have helped me become a greater man. Mm -hmm. Um, And I look back at that and I understand why I fight so hard to break, it's not a curse it was just his choice and his choices wasn't the wisest to benefit me and the black men that was in my family. So I see it through my lens, watching his life, but as much as, and as often as I think about it, I thought my life and my possibilities would be better, but I faced similar challenges and the results was kind of the same. So, um, just looking back, I, I, I write from a perspective of freeing myself from the vices I experienced from my, my father and what I went through and choices I made in my life.
0: Got you. Now, would you, now would you say the writing has, you know, it, you, you mentioned it, it, you use it to free yourself. So had, would you say that writing has been your form of like therapy or your form of self-care as you have uh, grown up.
1: Absolutely. I, I, I kept, I keep and kept journals. I, it's not as current, but I kept journals for some of them challenging years of my life because I knew a memoir was going to come out of it. Mm. So I kind of kept those pivotal points that challenged me, man, those, 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 um, experiences that were meant to break me only made me better. And I recorded those things, man, because um, trying to memorize it and rewrite it from that experience later on, it just doesn't have the same effect. So in that moment in time, I recorded things that I could look back and reflect on so I could correct myself and challenge myself to be greater, to pass on a greater amount of wealth to my, my sons. I have daughters also, but the specific concentration tonight is the sons, men. So I passed those
0: things you know, those jewels on to my son. I passed my son. Gotcha, <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. You, got you. So can, can you all right? I'm, I'm dad, I'm uh, um kind of piggyback on that question real quick. What when do you like what was the earliest that you've kind of got invested in like writing and journaling and like and who kind of directed you towards that or what influences was, was that that was there that kind of say, you know, I need you to write. I need you to be able to communicate your feelings this way. I need you to be creative that way. Were there any, like, specific individuals um in your life that kind of, you know, help you see that, the importance of it?
1: I come from a big family in West Baltimore. So everything was passed down. So I'm going back to the age of four. Mm-hmm. My sister was first in school. She's just two two years older than me. So my sister, Devlin Shannon, she taught me how to write. Now, you have to be careful how you positively pour into your child. My handwriting was impressive to her. And she would show my handwriting off to my siblings who paid me no mind, our parents. I had a talent in writing very early. And she gave me that positive those positive affirmations that I could do it so I had an attraction to the written words starting with the a b's and c's so my sister I give my sister credit as my son experienced I let him read it because I'm also doing my autobiography and that is a very important point in my autobiography she poured into me as a child four years old and I had a love for writing ever since then.
0: Got
2: it. I, I have this question for the for the duo. Um, you were you, you were raised, you're from West Baltimore, but was Supreme raised in Baltimore as well?
1: <laughs> I'ma let him answer that. Well, that's a government. I'm a
3: traveler. <laughs> so I was born. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in Brooklyn, not too long Brooklyn, New York, not too long after migrated here. And for several years, bounced back and forth up and down New York and here. And then around 11, 12, we ended up staying put in Baltimore. Yeah.
2: So me, me me being from New York as well and, and knowing it's a it's a difference here, what was that like for you navigating coming from Brooklyn to Baltimore?
3: I definitely had a more I'm gonna circle back to this on the professional side, but adjusting as a young black child, I was a lot more aggressive, authoritative, quote unquote, threatening, especially to the part of Baltimore that we, we moved. So I've lived in practically every part of Baltimore that you can think of. Uh, but for this particular state, when we finally stayed put, I was out in Baltimore County, uh, particularly Cockeysville, Maryland. And my demeanor, my vernacular, how I spoke, acted, my persona, all of that was deemed unruly or intimidating, aggressive, anything that you could think of to the point where they tried to box me in when it was just my way of expressing myself. Professionally having that mentality, I feel like it... it, Allowed me to supersede past competition. I'm more aggressive, I'm getting things done, I'm producing, and I'm on to the next thing faster than most people. If, if someone took let's, just, let's say, I don't know, go to the NBA and you needed your license to be able to go to this venue to do this thing, all of that for me is done in one day where someone would put that off and be like, "Oh no, I'll do that Thursday. We on Monday, or I'll do that next week." So I'm more aggressive with productivity. And that was not only ingrained by way of the, the, the New York Minute lifestyle, but more so seeing the way that my father would continuously produce and be on top of his game.
2: And, and for for the elder Shannon, um, wiser Shannon, rather, knowing that he was going through that. And he he mentioned to us off camera that from a very young age, he was taught the dynamics and the importance of being a man, speaking directly and all of these things, what were some of the things you were teaching him to help navigate what he was going to face being from a place that he's already being stigmatized because he's from somewhere else? What were some of the things you were telling him to prepare him for this life?
1: Well, I'm going to make this a very interesting podcast, get a little deeper into the mental health issues. I didn't teach him much of anything at that particular time. His aggressiveness, his anger was as a result of my not being in present in his life. So it wasn't much that I could teach him. He was under the tutelage of his mother. More or less at that particular time. So I didn't have a lot of input. So it, I, I wouldn't take credit for that. He heard more about his father than he did experiencing his father. It wasn't until his later years he got a chance to experience who I was organically without that interference.
2: That's dope.
1: Look at this. Look at this smile. He lo- it's It's real.
0: That, like, I, yeah that's, that's definitely real um at, like how did you navigate or how did you navigate that time to kind of coming back into his life not being there or you know not being there or not being allowed per se no,
1: not, um, not being there not being there not okay that wasn't being allowed not being there. how i navigated was not trying to be an authority in his life but a figure I had to let my actions speak louder than my words. So the things that he just previously spoke of was my actions. And no matter his position in denying it, he had to eventually receive the truth of who his father authentically was. So my actions spoke. And it was something that he needed in his life. So that dramatically changed his life once he incorporated those Uh, values and and, and positive habits in his life, his life started to progress. So he saw the need. I always saw the need because that's my son. And Mm I had that secondary umbilical connection to my son, but I couldn't reach my son. The only way I reached my son was through phone calls and prayers. And and as I walked with my son and he saw me, my prayers were answered.
0: Mm.
1: My friends were answered.
2: Look, he likes his smile. I, I, I noticed that you used the word anger, and I want to shift this to Supreme, you know, being someone. Um, we, we have many people that come on this show, and many of the brothers that come on this show have had fatherly influences, and it's been only a few that have not, and I can relate personally. And when you talk about when he mentioned that anger, Supreme, what when you heard that? Explain to us what that meant for you, because I know for me, what that meant for me. But what did that do for you, and how did you feel about that coming up?
3: Anger, in particular, it was out of frustration. I wasn't, I wasn't in a group where too many of my friends had their fathers in their lives, mm. but I would see and yearn for that because I'm going through everything. You got your friends, you got your crew, you got your clique, don't get it twisted. But at the time, I'm wise enough to know that they don't know everything. Right. And I'm frustrated because I keep going through bullshit, life, you know, not even tragedy, but just life experience. I keep going through these things and I don't have that particular male figure that knows more than me I've always wanted mentors. I've, I've had mentors. I've had, you know, big brothers, that things of that nature that'll school you to a degree. But it's not the same guidance that a father would give or that nudge of support or that push in the right direction versus your support in the wrong direction. So that, that frustration came from the wisdom of knowing that I don't have what I need to succeed or. At the time, what I, I'm i trying to be real specific with, with words. At the time, it was imperative to my growth and development. So I wanted it, I needed I, I was searching for that. And out of frustration, out of frustration, dealing with day in, day out, I'm taking out my resentment on the first thing, smoking. You understand?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, I, you know, I applaud you for kind of acknowledging it and realizing that the importance, because many times as children, I know, I know, you know, myself have struggled with like, you know, not having a consistent father. Like my dad was dead, but he wasn't always consistent. So it was that like rearing for that attention and just, you know, applauding and it. And it didn't hit me till I got, mm, I was probably like high school um high school I'm about to graduate high school and I'm just trying to figure things out so I applaud you for actually acknowledging that and just kind of being willing to deal with it because if you didn't you know you could have been doing some other things that you know would have led you down a path that you didn't want to go down um so with that with that being said like what what was the kind of breaking point for you to say all right I need to make a change in my behavior your dad i know your dad mentioned it like he had you had to learn those values and things that that will make you want to do better so what what was the the pivotal point in your life or the pivotal transition moment that said all right i need to start making some changes because this is not going to work out for me if i keep acting this way
3: boys in the hood Boy, boys in the hood open and safe. Mm. on you going with your father every woman even though it said every woman needs a man to boy. Hmm. No matter what way, shape, or form, even if a, a father is not in the picture, we need Mr. Earl down the street, or Mr. We're gonna need some type of man. My behavior had gotten to the point where the school is calling and they talking about expulsion, they talking about the program where they take you out to jessup and mm-hmm. you know saying, and, and, and scare you straight I, I was scared straight material at that time at that particular moment i think my mother realized that she had run her course of what she could do as a woman or what plays she could run like what interference she could run for the direction that i was going she picked up that phone and it, he was there it was almost like anointing because he, he immediately made a play to, to be by my side, to be, nah, not my son, he's not doing that, da, da da So I'm gonna let him speak on that, man, but it's just knowing that he was there for me in that time, that crucial time. No cut cards, no, I didn't hear from you in a month, or none, none of that, my son needs me, I'm on the way.
2: Hmm. I wanna, before. <laughs> before getting into that i want to commend you guys uh for being here in this space to where it just seems like you guys you know never missed a beat at any point in any time and when we're talking about mental health and healing you know um how did you get there because i know with with me in mind you know i might have seen dude three times in life and and the last two was the last five years and there's no space of getting to this place where we good like we gonna sit here on an interview so how did you guys reach this place and just factor in everything just how did you reach this place where you guys are now and it's it's seemingly such a beautiful thing
3: we we had to go through the fire we had to go because at the time my testosterone in a place of authority, wisdom, knowledge, and he's not gonna be challenged by a child. I'm a child thinking I I've taken on the world so far. So we butt, you know, we butt heads and went at it into that capacity until the dynamic shifted and he did what he what he says is I, I met you on your level. Like he he stopped speaking to me from a, an authoritative position or a tone looking down, but more so, all right. You feel as though you're a man, let's have conversations as men. Let's have walks as men, let's have talks as men. Let's put you in men, men type scenarios. How are you gonna handle yourself? You know, he spoke to me in ways and ways and languages and experiences that I understood. So that way when he wasn't around, I knew how to handle myself in that environment. I'm gonna let him take it
1: from there. Well, I I realized early on uh this that young man that we're speaking about, my son, that young man at that time, he was a forty eight laws of power man. He was an art of war man, so I couldn't speak to him in the natural order of things. I had to show him the strategies and experiences I went through in my life to show him the outcome and the more foundational information he received, the more he saw the world through the eyes of his father. I saw that world through the eyes of my father. So I had to put blinders on and unlearn those things so I wouldn't pass those things on. Although I had my own vices, I didn't pass on my father's vices. And I always reminded him of those things that I experienced that detrimentally harmed me. So I wanted him to be greater. I wanted him to do better. But I wanted him to see the world in my eyesight from experience. We go through all those isms and all those ills and all those mental health, all those discriminatory practices, un- unfair challenges we face. He had to understand that very early. So when that challenge came to him, he wouldn't be unfamiliar with it. So I had to, I had to beat him with wisdom. I couldn't. I couldn't play the fear game. I I couldn't play the let me trick him game. It was no tricks to his 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 approach in life. So he was ready. My father deemed me as I told him. My father deemed me a man when I was fifteen years old because I challenged him. He could no longer run the game. I saw how he was mistreating my mother. So you know that's 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 life. That's your heartbeat. So. When that happened, and I'm facing him because I'm going to defend my mother with my life. That's my life giver. So he can no longer run game on me. Now, I saw different in my son. He was just ready for whatever challenge. As foolish as, as, as it may sound, if you d double dare him, you jump off this 20-story 20, 20 building, I tell you, my son was just to show me that he was more man than I. He was going to jump off that building. So there's no need of going backwards. I had to go forward and thinking with him to show him the light a better way. So when those things began to unfold in his life, I get the phone call, Pop, you know, when you told me it happened exactly like that, son, I'm only preparing you for those realities that you are sure to face as a black man in America. You got to find an outlet. You have to find your talent. You have to find your calling. Hone in on that thing. And make good on life because if too many holes in your life man leaves you unsatisfied that's where they talk about the devil's workshop so he had to find himself and fill his life with him to find his way
2: and that that's a and, and to commend you that's a powerful thing to be able to step outside of yourself and unlearn what you learned to pour into him and I mean, that's just that's powerful, man. I mean, that you you're talking about, you know, stopping the generational isms. That's, you know, how many brothers are suffering from that because someone didn't step outside and say, well, you know what, this happened to me. I can't utilize this as an excuse or something, and I have to do better. I mean, that that's that's amazing, man, just to commend you on that.
1: Yep.
2: Supreme uh speak knowing that because that 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 sounds uh that sounds very familiar but that having that drive that passion that ability to challenge and rise to the challenge how has that impacted what you're doing now and and the ventures and your drive going forward so positively I feel, I feel
3: like a, a positive came from that negative Once I was guided to shift what I focused on, that mentality led me to do things that most people are afraid to do, hesitant to do, will never do. Because I know there's nothing that I cannot do. That same mentality, that jump off. So if you could jump off the building, why don't you build it? That's the type of conversations we had. Why don't you build a building? What does it take to build a building? What are you going to do to, to, build, to obtain the resources to build the building? Those are the type of conversations that I now have that positively impact me and push me in the direction of making my wildest dreams happen. When I said, I'm going to be an artist, it wasn't conversations of what do artists make or how do they live or how do they survive? I said, all right, well, what you going to do? What's, what defines you? What separates you from the rest? How committed are you? You ain't touch it. You ain't you ain't paint in painting the last five days. How serious are you? These are the type of conversations that we're having, and instead of it being guided towards a negative topic, it's more so challenging me to be better than I was the day before. So that guidance, that that black guidance, that black that black guidance, that guidance, period. But more so, that black male guidance. You know that bravado that you tough right if, if any of y'all are fathers and things, your son fall down, third. you're tough, right? I know it might hurt. It's going to hurt, but come on, let's walk. Let's there talk about it. You understand what I'm saying? So knowing those things, being taught that way led me to be an even better father, but even more so, uh, uh, not even more so, let me be specific because I'm a phenomenal father by way of my father. But... It led me to be a great man when it came to my own aspirations and believing in myself. That that belief in yourself to the to the to the degree of how y'all see Kanye, I was blessed with that between both parents. Not only that, I believed in myself to that ability. Like, yo, y'all not telling me I can't do anything. I'm making my own opportunities. It may not happen tomorrow, but I know how to save, I know how to. I know how to to network. I
1: know that I'm achieving whatever my desires are. And I want to piggyback on that. I want to shout out to um, Kanye West and Don to his mother. I I find that whole documentary inspirational. And my son and I, on another level, we're looking at that different facets of it and we're comparing what we can do for one another, what we have done, and what we're going to do. So we're looking at that for information. But I wanted to say to even both of y'all, I know you, Dwayne, you said something about your dad and EJ, you said something about your dad, you know, the greatest, the greatest work in our lives that we could do is a be of service. Like y'all providing a service, but much greater than being a, a, a service is us being a resource. Like right now, the four of us are networking. We're being resources for each other. This situation should go beyond. So if you find a young black male that needs somebody to talk to, I would expect, and I use the term, I would expect y'all to reach out to us, that we may be a resource to somebody else whose father is not around. So the greatest thing that we all need, all four of us in this, this, this block is resources one thing my dad didn't give me, man, because I mean, you know, a lot of opportunity would have fallen in my lap, would have, could have, should have. And I say the same thing to you, Dwayne, and you too, EJ. We made the best out of those situations. But had I had mentorship, had I had guidance, had I had simple resources, my life would have been completely different. So those are some of the things I had to forgive my father for, As I forgave myself, I thought I was better than him. But again, I had to understand being a black man in America, not able to provide for your your family, always struggling, missed opportunities, unfair practices. He was going through it. So when you make those decisions today, as best you can in a situation, it doesn't mean that somebody observing, looking, askance, looking back, would say that was the best decision. But I would say my father made the best decisions that he could at the time. So my observation, I wanted to do it different. I wanted to be a resource. And that's the greatest thing I can offer my son, who's not only my son, but he's also my union brother. So I got to talk to him in different ways. And that was that was like the multiple ways that we connected. Now it's on different levels.
0: I will, I will 100% agree with you, because um, that was one of the conversations I had with my dad when I got older is, you know, hey, this, you know, just kind of like a feeling, you know, you all, we have that moment where we go to our parents, like, all right, this is how I felt. This is how I felt like about my childhood. And <laughs> it just kind of explaining like, you know, I didn't really feel like the best. But when I start to reflect, and as I got older, I realized he did the best job he could. He, you know, he didn't know he didn't know his father. So how can I expect him to be a great father? Not He was a great father to me at the end of the day and from my experience. But how can I expect him to know, you know, what the knowledge that I'm getting now based off of the people that I'm hearing, sharing, hearing stories like this, or my education, and just understanding the, the plight and the stigma. And I had to release him from that. And when I learned to release him from that, that's how, that's how I was able to grow because I realized, all right, you know, it didn't happen. So what make the best of what you have right now. And once you start to invest in the time that you have now, it makes it more valuable to know that you experience that but makes it, uh, it provides an opportunity for you to reach back and help somebody else to do the same thing. So I definitely agree with you as far as being a resource. And I'm glad you say that because I got something I got something in the works um, that I want to do for men. Um, in the near future so uh, i'm definitely going to reach out make sure y'all make sure y'all participate if you know upon the availability of your schedule okay no problem
2: (laughs) yeah that brother going that brother gonna find something for y'all to do trust and believe he's gonna find it
0: (laughs) my my goal our goal is to keep this moving as i feel like you know it's so many african american men in the world that how many lives can we touch just by sharing our story because as, as men we don't share we do not share enough I'm not gonna say that we do not share enough especially when it comes to how we're feeling emotionally and mentally and the things that we don't feel that we receive when we uh, as growing up and not knowing how to process that you know hopefully that this is some way some way that people can process through those emotions and kind of move forward and learn how to find value in being present. That's something I was listening to today. Um, just about being, you got to be present in where you are so much so that you don't, you know, you're not focused on everything around you, but be present in the moment, be present right here. Don't let anything deter you from, you know, what you're focused on, but be present so that you can get the best out of um, what you have right now.
1: one thing I want to touch on, you know, it's it's like that magical moment. This is a little funny. I'm going to let my son speak on it. But I believe the magical moment when we connected was when I taught him how to write an essay.
0: Mm.
1: His challenge was not really understanding. He had been so defiant. And it was like, you need somebody to pour into you and take their time to study you so you can get the lesson. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And his defiance, he wasn't getting the lesson. Not that he didn't. Couldn't understand it, he wasn't allowing anybody to penetrate. So, we had this assignment, and it was to write an essay about how he was feeling, what he was going through. So, my opportunity, and I had as a man, I had to look for an opportunity to pour into his life because he was a challenge to me, he wasn't allowing me in. So, I had to be steadfast, I had to be consistent. And guess what? I had to be present, like you said, Dwayne. So I found that hole. I said, oh, I got him now. (laughs) I got him now. And and I'm going to let him speak about his experience when he went through that, because I know for sure. And one thing I don't want him to forget is that he started resourcing other people, teaching them how to write essays. Shout
3: out. So it's funny that he says it that way. I have a I have a, a thing with me and it's being talked at and not to. So I'm not a fan of communication in the authoritative sense. I thrive in conversations where I'm being taught something. That whole um uh what, what they say, be slow to slow to speak, fast to listen. Yes. That is me to a, to a T. Understanding my, my learning language was understanding how to communicate with me. And I think that's what broke the mold. Because once I realized that I can learn from you rather than be pawned around by you, the, res, the respect is there. You know something that I don't. I know something that you don't. And we're going to come together and teach each other something. That is the absolute best form of communication with me, particularly. Once I learned how to write that essay, lie to not, 21-page L.A. essay, Morgan State University, Communications Building. I submitted that essay and got 100%. I want y'all to know that the professor wrote on here, wrote on the paper, I do not believe that you wrote this. Whoever wrote it, great job. Gave me credit for it the whole nine. Wow. Well, First person I called was, you ain't gonna believe this shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And from then on, he understood me and I understood him. I understood that he didn't come with malice. He understood that I learned. I learned from him was, my, was his way in. and From then on, that's how all of our communication has been. It's been with respect.
2: That's a beautiful thing. I, b- b- before Dwayne uh, says this, so just just to be clear, um, you, you had some time at Morgan State. Is that accurate? Sure did, sure did. Uh, yeah.
1: He didn't follow me a copy. Uh, he didn't follow me a copy.
2: We often have this thing, you know, with Dwayne's people, the Morgan people come on here, you know, Okay. I, I'm a, I'm a Delaware State man, you know. Glad you're a copy man. Okay, we 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 need some diversity in here. You know, it's just <laughs> it gets it gets nasty sometimes. I'm tired tired
0: of. It. <laughs> I'm tired of it. <laughs> All right, Supreme. I, I what can you tell us a little bit about like your your um, your journey as an artist? Uh, let's get a little bit into that. And um, I, I see you got some you got some some beautiful pieces behind you. Um, that, that I'm pretty sure you you've drawn your draw dr, dr, drew drawn drawing yourself <laughs> yeah, you know,
3: more, eight foot paintings behind me, man, it's massive. Um, so to get to the future or the present, that got started the past. Absolutely. Same situation. The only place that I had idle time was detention, in-, in school suspension. You know what I'm saying? That was the earliest stages of me drawing, sketching, of, especially of like the, the shapes and stuff that you see behind me. I didn't take that shit serious. It, it was what it was. It was something that, it was a pastime at the time. Let's, let's progress. I'm at Morgan, I'm in school for Business Administration. Sophomore year, I ended up getting di- diagnosed with four autoimmune diseases and have, I had to medically withdraw from school. I lost the use of my hands. Um, no blood flow went to my hand. Like, I couldn't open and close my hands, none of that. Um, about year, year and a half in, all the medications they had me on would dumb me out. Like, the, the strong, ridiculous stuff. And that just wasn't me. I'm used to being active, moving, things of that nature. So, I stopped taking the medicine. And I used to hold pins because I couldn't open and close my hands, I used to hold pens and just draw stuff. Eventually, that form of therapy led to me regaining dexterity, diseases went into remission. This man here challenged me, like, all right, are you going back to school? Are you going to do this? Are you going to start a business? What's up? You're back, right? My love for art combined with that same mentality of bravado Oh well, my friends, they they about to graduate. they done. But they're just, I'm just as smart as them. Let me go to the bookstore and figure out what they know. Let me apply what they know to what I'm passionate about. That was over 10 years ago, and since then, created an art business that I've been traveling internationally with, showing my work, created a lane for myself, um, a particular style of work that's unique, to say the least.
2: Good. Talk about overcoming.
0: Yeah, how how you gonna slide? How you slide that in there like it was just kind of like <laughs> <laughs> light work, <you> know? <laughs> yeah. Like I just overcame. it. Like no, that's that's major. Of like it
2: was a
3: fight. It was, it was a fight. But, you know you just gonna,
0: like, you just slid that in there like yeah. I you need know, to lead, ain't
2: even leave with that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, what's wild is as many situations that we face as black men systematically politically socially Mm -hmm. romantically into we face so much stuff that at a certain point we just overcome and overcome and overcome to the point where we we stop focusing like that's small change that's behind us what's next because i know i overcame that yeah Mm -hmm. i'm just prepared for whatever's coming coming my way next
2: it's almost like we don't have time to dwell on those things you know what i mean it's in some ways, in some ways, the normalization of it is is um, to a therapist who probably say is not a good thing. But, you know, that's why, you know, me and D always talk about this. You know, black men, we, we it's nothing like it. You know what I mean? And and, you know, you we, we have to. We don't we're not afforded that moment to be irrational, to to sit in the moment, to sit in the bubble. We got to keep it moving or we're not going to. Eat, or the people that you know depend on us are not going to eat. So it, it's 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 crazy operating in that space, and it's just you know we talked to so many brothers and and how they have to they do the same thing, you know, it just move along, move along, you know, it, it's it's something, it's really saying something.
1: That's, that's that's, and you know, it's like the half full, half empty concept. Mm-hmm. If you are positively pushing and you reach those challenges, you keep pushing to despite that. It's not a failure. It might be a setback, but you keep pushing in that direction because your hunger is for success. However, we have a lot of people that wallow in that madness and that negative challenge breaks them and they just go spiraling out of control in that negative manner. So it's like, your half full, half empty, empty concept is very important to your climb or your fall. And it's up to you. So you have to, even even when, you know, uh, you don't have somebody in your ear speaking positivity, pushing you forward, you got to speak it to yourself, man. Like you say, as black men, we don't have time, man. That's a minute wasted. We, <laughs> hey, we could have did something with that minute, man. No One question. Always pushing, man. One of
3: the key things that you taught me i would say that there is a solution to every problem you might not like how long it takes you might not like what you have to do to acquire the solution or who you have to call and involve but there is a solution to everything so you might spend five minutes being frustrated at the situation but anything past that first five minutes is a waste of time because you could have picked up that phone and called whoever like yo Car breakdown, let's use that for example. Everybody, it happens to everybody. You could be frustrated with the world. You could cancel all your plans for the entire day. Or in this day and age, yo, I need a tow truck to this location. Here's the, the, um, the, the iPhone map. This is where it's at. Call lift on the other line. Excuse me, I need you to pick me up right here. All right, the day continues. It's, it's just a matter of choosing who you want to be in life, the victim or the winner
2: very
3: important yeah very
2: important
0: yeah that's definitely good many times you know some many times we choose to be the victim because it's convenient and comfortable instead of choosing to be the victor or the winner and pushing past the current obstacle that's only meant to make us stronger and make us better um and just kind of continue to, to see success and be successful in that particular arena man this wow yeah, y'all y'all been dropping some nuggets. I'm gonna have to go back and <laughs> to the interview myself, because <laughs> your dad dropped something. That he, he he dropped it so smooth, and I just couldn't I couldn't catch it. But I'm gonna go back and watch it. Um, <laughs> full full of wisdom. I can tell. I can tell the conversation with, with, with pops window, you know a 20, a 20 minute uh, a one question can lead into like a, a couple hour conversation. I can tell that. <laughs>
2: It's it's a beautiful thing, man. Just that that synergy, that synergy you guys have to go back and forth with everything considered is is just so, it it touches me, man. And like I always tell D, like, when we do this, it's therapeutic for me. Like somebody's always speaking to me somehow every time we do this thing. So, you know, like, oh, I, I needed it, man. So definitely appreciate it.
1: Sucker, That's why I call y'all out by name. We all put something out. And, you know, as black men, man, we don't we don't like to share our personal deep-rooted things. Mm-hmm. I don't think we hide behind it. We hide in front of it. And it's like what y'all said about your dad, Dwayne, and your dad, EJ. I understand. We are men. We have to um, form that bond of support and, again, be a resource to one another. But one important thing I wanted to say, man, that's for all of us involved. Mm -hmm. What's important for my son and his career and everybody that's striving is like Kanye said, you have to measure success for yourself. Mm. When you measure success based on Kanye said something that Wendell brought to my attention before I saw the episode, he said, Kanye say, y'all think of success that's success by y'all standard but my standard of uh my measure of success is beyond here and kanye had the concept the way it unfolded and i recommend y'all see that uh what's it called jesus genius genius yeah, he had the blueprint before jay-z put that thing out man he had the blueprint for his life and it unfolded that way to release yourself from pressure be self-defining, measure your own success. If 20 is your number and 200, 200, 200,000 is the the threshold, 20 is your number of success. Hmm. So once you reach 20, if you wanna go on and pray for 40, then you take your baby step. Not everybody goes to zero to 2000. So measure yourself, that takes a lot of pressure off, man.
2: Patient but not complacent. That's one thing I always say. Mm-hmm. Patient but not complacent.
0: Absolutely. I'm. Yeah. So you know, uh, where where can they find find uh, your publishing information? Window where can they kind of con- uh, Window Supreme? Where they can can they kind of connect with you in reference to social media and all that good stuff? So like anybody who might be watching and want to reach out to you personally, uh, what's the best way of doing that?
3: I caught us both at a phenomenal time. Yeah, we're both rebranding every portion of, of uh, media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I can be found on Instagram right now, WSS underscore Fine Art. Same situation will be the uh, upcoming website and all contact platforms.
0: Got it.
1: You ready? Y'all ready for this? Uh huh. Y'all, got to got pay attention now.
0: I'm, I'm paying attention. Hold up, I'm, I'm gonna give my pad. I got my little sticky note.
1: Y'all can find me. Ready? Uh huh. In the booth. In the, <laughs>
3: pack,
1: in the corner. In the door. I'm on. I'm on Instagram. I'm. I'm Dell Shannon. It's so many. Of my. My. Me and my sons have the same name. So I'm D E L L Shannon on Instagram. And I go by Window
0: Shannon on uh, Facebook. Okay, awesome, awesome. So we, we gonna make we're gonna make sure we got we got we have both of those informations uh attached to the, the interview. Um I wanna you know thank you all again for considering your time just kind of share your story. Um definitely I feel like we need a part two, honestly. Uh because I'm pretty sure some things that we haven't touched that you know that that probably can be helpful. So we are definitely gonna reach out um you know just kind of continue to promote this positivity promote this healing um that is needed for all of us um and just making sure that we are making you know being present in the moment but also uh well enough and able to define what you say define our own success because that's the only person that can define it We can't depend on nobody else you can't depend on the outside influence because many times that'll happen will our success will be defined by them and it's not until you define your own successes when you'll really be free from the opinions of others, but be free enough to be yourself uh comfortably and not have to worry about uh anybody else saying anything about who you are. So I appreciate that. If I don't take enough else from tonight, I'll take that, you know, personally. Um from from my personal standpoint, so I appreciate that. Wendell S- Wendell Shannon, the publisher, and then Wendell Supreme, Shannon, <laughs> the artist. I don't want to mess it up, you know. Um, so, are there any parting words that you that you uh, either one of you would like to leave? I know, Pops, you kind of shut it down with the that last statement, but you know, if you got any more wisdom that you want to drop on us <laughs> before we leave, I, I we'll um, appreciate it, and then we'll close out after that.
3: Um.
1: No, I'm going to defer to my son, man, because, you know, that measure of success is a very important piece, man. If it'll free a lot of us because we try to mirror other people's success. And that opportunity and talent meeting is not always the same for everybody. So I, I want to depart with that. And I'm going to defer to my son and see if he has any wise departing words. I
3: definitely do. Uh, we, we've been talking about stress, anxiety, mental health issues and isolating yourself as black men, or just the dilemmas that we go through. Learning to communicate effectively communicate what you're experiencing, what you're going through, what you're thinking, will solve 98% of the problems that we face. Expressing ourselves in a way that is clear is, I don't even want to say non-threatening, because we have our own demeanor, we have our own swag, but being able to Being able to and willing to express where we are, what position, transparent, what state we're in, is helpful to get us where we need to go. By way of, I may express whatever trauma or trauma I'm experiencing. You may relate, or you may have resources, you may have guidance, you may even have a book, like, man, read this. Black men don't open up about what we're going through. And it wasn't until I felt comfortable expressing what I was going through; that my life changed for the better.
1: Trust is everything, man. Trust. You had to trust. Trust is everything. Yeah. Absolutely. For one thing, for fathers trying to make amends, man, that forgiveness piece is everything, man. Hmm. For sons who are trying to reconnect with their fathers, that forgiveness piece is everything, man.
0: Absolutely. And we're going we're gonna to close out on that. <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> another episode of Unapologetically Black Male, where we talk about surviving the stigma, standards, and system. Listen, once again, we appreciate you for supporting this effort. Thank you for Wendell Shannon, the publisher. Thank you Wendell, for window Wendell Supreme Shannon, the artist. Thank you for my E.J. Stewart. Thank you for all of you who have tuned into this. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, share this information so that we can continue to promote this positivity among African-American men. Listen, thank you again. Have a great day. I'll see you soon. Thank you. Peace.